Hey guys, TJ here. God put it on my heart to talk about money in this season. I think that's interesting because Jesus talks about money often, not because he cares so much about money, but because he cares about the heart. And we're told where your treasure is, your heart will be. And most people, the reality is most people treasure money. Now, I've had an, a wild story when it comes to money, and we'll dig into some of that in this season. Um, this is is really about just helping you in your relationship with money. This is not about helping you get rich quick. This is not about helping you um, see the gospel through a prosperity, financial prosperity lens. That's not what this is about. Um, it's not about practical budgeting tips, um, but we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that involve your mindset, uh, your attitude towards money, beliefs that you might have had, and some practicals. Um, you're going to hear from people who share uh, their wisdom. Um, you're going to hear some of the things that have really helped them. And you're going to hear some testimony of just how God has changed people's relationship with money. And I think that all of us can benefit from that, but I think that there's a specific time for us to to be paying attention to this. I think there's uh, a lot of wealth creation happening right now at a very fast pace, and there's not a lot of character as a foundation. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, I hope you get value. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. Excellent. We are live. Rayma, thank you so much for joining me today. If, if I can, I'd like to, um, to share a little bit about you and just even how we connected personally. And then I'd like you to share a little bit about yourself and fill in the blanks where I miss out. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah. So guys, I, I wanted Rayma to join for this Monday live stream for a number of reasons. One, she and her husband, Steve, are personal friends of Savannah and I. Um, they actually are also my former pastors. And um, and several weeks ago, Rayma, this must have been early January, something around that time frame. I um, saw a post that you shared on Facebook, and uh, and it was specifically about this apostolic word that, that God had given you, you've been holding on to. You didn't just get it and release it. You've been holding on to it. And I really, really, really resonated with it as far as the journey that God has had me on over the last, which you guys have been a part of over the yeah. last, you know, I'll call it four to five, maybe seven years. Um, sure. And so I wanted, I wanted you to come on and share. Um, and also just wanted people to have the opportunity to to receive maybe what might be something for them personally that they'd never really thought about, um, whether it's spiritually, whether it's with regards to money, which we'll talk about, um, with regards to maybe just how decisions they're making for their life in general. So um, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you for being here. And um, maybe just share a little bit about uh, your journey, who you are, where you are, um, and your journey over the last couple of years up until this point. Sure. Yeah. We, um, we were in New York before, um, that's where we met. Um, now we currently live in Atlanta. Um, like TJ said, my husband's name is Steve. And then we have four, uh, daughters between the ages of nine and 18 months. So that's, um, that's all happening. And, um, we, for the last approximately seven years, we've been in a space of, navigating what is the way forward um, for the church. So, you know, we've planted house churches, we've been, um, you know, just kind of exploring with God and with others, um, you know, what is the what is the new wineskin that God is is facilitating and what does it look like to really live out the kingdom, um, you know, through the house church kind of model, which really was not something we were interested in or had even ever seen or experienced, but God just led us in that direction as one element um, of what we do with Revive the Way, which is the um, the ministry that we lead. So we're kind of doing a lot of things, um, but <laughs> it continues to to change and evolve over time. Yeah. And maybe even just I'll back up to, um, if I can, just personally, you know, how we got connected and the intersection of our stories. And um, I'll just tell you guys personally, watching Raymond and Steve um, has been uh, a learning experience for me as a leader. Uh, you know, just I, I believe we're all leaders wherever we are. Uh, we all have the capacity to be to be leaders, and um, how we lead is really what matters. And watching them on their journey and 
um, just learning from them and receiving from them has been a, a really um, transformational part of my journey, uh, not just spiritually, but in other ways. And Raymond, we met in 20, I want to say we met in 2017 first. And then I kind of came back around 2018 as you guys <laughs> were kind of spearheading the house church thing, which to me was like totally, I was like, what in the world is a house church? That was such a, like, I didn't know what it was, but I didn't know that you guys didn't really know what that was. What either. it was really either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's amazing. I just want to share that moment of our crossing paths initially, because that's actually um, when, you know, whatever God was doing in your guys' lives, um, and the process of kind of being removed from one thing, what you've known, and then placed into something new that you didn't know. Right. And that's kind of the theme of what you were talking about, new wineskin, right? It's like, and today what we're talking about, I personally have benefited tremendously from your movement from from what you knew to what you're doing what you've been doing and i know many other people have too but it's really out of that obedience not fully knowing what would happen right which is a lot of times that's what obedience looks like it's that faith to take a step forward i don't know what's going to happen and I, and i really want to highlight that as a part of your story um at least as a launch point because to me that's where i think a lot of people might resonate you you very much you guys have been kind of pioneering spearheading and a lot of people might be finding themselves walking a similar journey to what you guys have walked uh right. even if it doesn't look the same in a church context so maybe just share a little bit about what your church context was before uh and then what it's become since maybe 2016 ish yeah so i mean we were we came up in more traditional um not traditional, traditional is the wrong word, but like just standard community, local church type background, um, you know, and then we were both uh, trained initially um, in the Hillsong uh, environment. And so we lived in Australia for several years, then came back to the States and we were a part of a church plant for four and a half years in California. Then from there moved to New York and we were a part of another church plant for about five, six years. Um, so, you know, we were very involved, um, both from like a training standpoint, but also experientially and from a leadership standpoint, you know, eventually becoming pastors in that sort of environment. Um, you know, we were very involved in building and cultivating and, you know, getting other people to get on board with like all the things church related. And so we're very um, when well, when God really pulled us out and I won't tell that whole story right now, but. We were not in an extremely unhealthy church per se, but we were in, um, you know, God was getting us ready for the new thing, you know, and we didn't see all the pieces of that in the moment like you usually don't, you know, hindsight is always clear. Um, but when you're in the moment and everything's like changing very quickly around you and you're like, wait, my future in God is not going to look the way I expected it to. That was a big like shock, you know, the beginning of 2015, we very much quickly exited um, a church that we had essentially helped build, um, sat doing nothing for approximately, you know, nine months to a year. And in that time of all of 2015, God started reworking our understanding of what churches, why, what do we do? Why do we do started asking, having us ask questions. And it wasn't like during that time, you know, we decided, well, forget the church. We don't, we don't want the church anymore. We're get, we're out here. No, that whole time we still like we're a part of a local community. We still were processing these things with God because we loved the church. We weren't offended by the church. We weren't angry with the church. There was no like, you know, problem per se, other than God said, I'm not doing this with you anymore. And I need you to come over here. And of course, some people won't understand that process, but I think it's like really important that people understand that like how something's born is how it will continue to develop. And I think a lot of people they have great ideas in God, or they have this dream for ministry, this thing they want to do, but it's born out of a place of trauma or out of a place of pain or out of a place of offense or whatever. And so you got to deal with that first before you start trying to build and trying to, you know, birth something that's of God. So that was a kind of our journey. We dealt with any, you know, pain we had had about that environment or whatever we were going through. And then 
um, really began to dream with God. And it was, it was not like this awesome journey of just like triumph after triumph. It was like super hard. We didn't enjoy it half the time. Um, people would ask us what we were doing and we would barely want to tell them because it was like, we didn't even fully understand why we're doing it. So I'm just saying the journey of obedience is not always um, super fun, you know? And so we were going through all this before the world kind of turned upside down, had no idea that was coming as did, you know, no one else really, well, you know, it was just all of a sudden the world was very different. And so the doors were suddenly open to a new way you know, that we had already been kind of walking in for at least at that point, like five years and cultivating and experimenting with and exploring. So it's interesting how God positions us well ahead of time for the things that he's wanting us to pioneer and the things he's wanting us to have a voice in. But when we're actually developing that voice and pioneering that space, it's actually quite lonely. You feel like, why am I doing this half the time? You don't necessarily enjoy it. Um, all kinds of stuff like that, right? So I think that obedience is, is key. So that's been our journey. Like when God's told us, go to this place, like God told us, leave New York three months before, um, you know, 2020. And so we were like, now, you know, he's like right now. We're like, what? Like, I mean, it was just out of the blue, told us when to leave and where to go. And so we did it. We left. And, you know, cl clearly then the, what happened in the world happened in the world. And we're like, oh, Oh, okay. That makes, that made a lot of sense. Actually, that was a really good decision, you know, but like, again, it's just obedience because people were asking us and we were asking ourselves, why are we doing this? You know, so. while uprooting an entire, not just you and Steve, it's a family of with you two and children, and then moving to a completely new location where you're like, we didn't see ourselves here and asking a lot of those questions. And so I think just even, even having that foundation for the conversation, which about the idea of obedience is key which is recognizing right. when God says, hey, I want you to do this, right? And it aligns with scripture. So you're, you're talking, God said this in spirit and yes, it's aligned with scripture. And so I'm like, okay, God, like I've got it. It's refined in me, but I, I got to actually do this now. I actually like live this out now. I think that brings me to the, the part where I really wanted you to share about just around, you know, one, the apostolic word that you shared, the three, three keys, three points that God's been speaking to you over the course of time. And maybe even before we share what that is, I've I've communicated to people. I'm like, Rama has this apostolic call in her life. Uh, they might not know what that means. So maybe <laughs> so start start with that part. Maybe what is that? What is the apostolic word? What is an apostolic word? Um, how can somebody be kind of thinking about what you're going to share and receive it in a healthy way? And then maybe we'll talk about those three points that God's been speaking to you about that really resonated with me personally. Sure. So um, what is an apostolic word? Well, to put it in one sentence, an apostolic word is a, a word from God for the church from an apostle. Um, so that would be the very simple way of what is an apostolic word, just like a prophet releases a prophetic word, right? So it's directional um, and it's, you know, it's, it's heavily weighed. You know, it's not something like, hey, I woke up and felt this for everybody. It's like, this is, this is a heavy a heavy word, like it's meant to be like, listened to. Right. And so how does one have that kind of authority to speak from that kind of place? Right. Cause I guess anybody could be like, Hey, this is an important word and everybody should listen. But I think that, you know, the Bible teaches us and talks about, um, you know, the governing offices in the church, like in the body of Christ and the roles that those people play and how authority is established over time through a multitude of witnesses, through the laying on of hands, through the witness of, you know, others, the witness of God, and, and really through the fruit of someone's ministry. So um, teaching on apostolic ministry in general would probably be a whole nother podcast. But, you know, to put it simply, Ephesians 4 outlines, you know, the apostolic government of God, you know, and the, the roles that people have within the church, or really the roles that people are meant to have within the church, which is another, like I said, another um, whole conversation. Um, but Ephesians 4 um, 11 through 11 through 16 or really 11 through the end of the, the chapter um, would would really give a little bit of context to this, but it's another a whole nother topic. Yeah, I want, think that's go good just to give somebody some some kind of foundation. OK, so there's a word that God has given you based on, you know, this journey that you've had with him. The assignment that is very clear has been made clear. Um, and 
you, recently you said, okay, like the church, not the organization, but the body of people right. need to hear this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I guess my first question is you had this kind of brewing inside of you probably for more than a minute, right? So how, yeah. how long has God been speaking to you about what you shared? So probably about a year um, would be about nine months to a year was when God started speaking to me about um, Babylon and about um, exiting Babylon. And I think that for those who are maybe newer Christians or those who, you know, have come from a camp, um, you know, where it's all about like, yes, we're in Babylon, but we're called to seek the welfare of the city, we, you know, because if the city thrives and we thrive, like, right, that kind of that Daniel message um, you know, that we're all, we're exiles, you know, in Babylon and we're called to exist in that place. And I think one of the things that I found unique about God, um, specifically speaking to that phrase, right? Cause I was hearing that phrase long before I understood what it meant. And I think that's been for me, like a key that, okay, this is a big thing that God is talking about right now. And I need to learn from the Holy spirit. What do you mean when you say this to me? Why do I keep hearing this phrase? what does this mean biblically? Right. And, you know, even when I released that word, I gave quite a bit of biblical context, like to the point of probably boring somebody who doesn't like theology, you know, because it's like, this is actually a big deal. This is biblically rooted. This is not just something I made up and God to clarify, is, I, and to clarify real quick, the phrase that you kept hearing was what exit Babylon, exit Babylon. So the phrase you're getting is exit Babylon. You're like, okay, God, now I need to process that Holy Spirit. You need to tell me, like, what the heck is going on with this? Why, why, why am I hearing this over and over again? And what is the thing I need to be, to be, to be processing out of that? Right. And I mean, oftentimes, as an apostle, something will have an implication for me personally, but then it will have an application also for the body. You know, so there's some things where you have to also discern is that, are you talking to me about this or is this a, a word that you're wanting me to process and, you know, disseminate into my own self and life? Because as you start to learn about the fivefold ministry or the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, evangelists, the teachers, the person themselves embodies the message, which is again, another, um, another cool thing that you could study, but like, if God hasn't done it in you and through you, he probably won't have you be the one to bring that message because the integrity of the message itself is kind of embodied in the person and like the life that they lived and how they have personally, you know, submitted to those, to those things with God. So that's another part of that process of understanding God. What are you, what are you saying to us, to me in this? What are you saying for the churches that we lead? And what are you saying to the church with like a capital T? Yeah. Um, so that's something that we've had to boil down over time. Yeah. And what, I, what I'm hearing from that too, just for somebody who's like, okay, I'm trying to, I'm navigating, I'm picking up on it. Um, and, you know, even people who are in the chat saying, I'm, this is helpful to even just kind of understand how you're processing and discerning, Rama, because they're doing, learning that themselves practical, real practical. That's like having somebody who weighs 500 pounds stand up and tell an entire audience how to lose weight. And they have not been able to uh, activate that part of their life. And they may have actual wisdom in how to do it. But visually, there's a disconnect for somebody, right? And I'm just using a very simple visual example visually there's a disconnect because they're like, I want to receive what this person's saying, but I'm not visually seeing the fruit of that in their life. And so what Rayma is talking about guys is like the integrity of a message really does depend on mm -hmm. somebody's ability to navigate the growth of that message, infiltrating their own life. In other words, applying the principles, applying the revelation, ap applying the understanding in their own life. And I think one of the important things and what I'm hearing from you, Rayma, is like just humility, which is, hey, these are things that God has given me as truth and principles. And at the same time, I recognize the importance of applying them in my own life and for you and Steve, right, and your family. And so that wrestle, frankly, as a leader is like, how do I navigate doing this personally while also sharing and guiding others to help them along the way? 
Um, right. And so I think today, even just before you share what you're going to share, it's more to the idea for people to understand like the topic that we're talking about is not perfection made in uh, in TJ or in Rama or anybody, frankly. The topic that we're talking about is something that God has given Rama and uh, and it is a commitment to like fulfill and honor what he has spoken and and seeing how that like really transformed her life um, over time. And it takes time to actually process some of these things. So anyway, Rama, what specifically did God speak to you about when uh, you kept hearing this word, these words, exit Babylon? Yes, Holy Spirit, it took time in maturity. You were processing that before deciding to share. What did he speak to you? What were the three things that he shared? So just a little bit of like context to, um, you know, for those listening, because even the word Babylon may be like, what does that even mean? Why are you using that phrase? Why would God use that word? You know, um, and coming from more theological background, you know, when, when the Bible talks about Babylon or when we hear the phrase Babylon, you know, it's always in, in essence, a symbol of the world's systems and the world's ways, you know, in opposition to the kingdom of God. And so Babylon is the place that you are exiled to, right? Whereas the kingdom of God, um, the, the place where God resides, which biblically, you know, would be Israel, you know, when we're looking at the Old Testament and the exiles of, of Judah and all of this, like in Jerusalem, that's the place where God's presence is, right? So the kingdom of God is the place where God's presence is, but God is wanting us ultimately to live in his kingdom, whereas sometimes we are exiled and find ourselves within Babylon. Um, and there is a time, you know, like in the book of Daniel, and when God exiled all of Judah to Babylon for 70 years, and he said, be comfortable there, build houses, make gardens, seek the welfare of the city, because in the city's welfare is your welfare, right? So there is a season and a time where as believers and exiles, right, that's when you hear like words like exiles and we're a remnant and things like this. It's because we are exiles in Babylon, but called not to take on the culture of Babylon, right? So we're called to still be in a Babylonian place, but uphold the culture and the, and the, and the things of the kingdom. And so to, to hear a word like that, exit Babylon, you're like, okay, so then you are calling us not only to maintain the culture and the kingdom of your reality, right? Like, but you're actually telling us it's time to physically get out of elements of the Babylonian system in which we have found ourselves comfortable. And so we've had a garden, we've built a house, we've done these different things within the Babylonian way. And you're telling us that it's time to stop doing it that way. And so that's, I think, what the distinctive was for, for us. We're like, what practically does this mean? Because to exit Babylon, that means leave the world. You can't physically leave every single system and thing that you're a part of, right? So we had to say, God, what exactly are you saying to us through this word? And so it, you know, it might mean slightly different things for different people at this moment, because also to different degrees, you know, um, and so I can't speak to how exactly the Holy Spirit would make that sit for someone else. But I can say that he said, you know, three things I want. He said three D's, which I just love um, because it's easy to teach. So he was like, um, I want I want my people. Right. And this includes, you know, parts of this include us personally. Right. To work this and massage this into our own life. But then parts of this are for the body. It's for the church. So there's three Ds. I want my people to exit depravity. That's the call to holiness, right? That's the call of the otherness of God to, to leave behind the ways of Babylon. Um, he said, I want my people to exit debt. And that's the calling to leave behind the, the slavery of Babylon, the, the system of slavery, which debt is a cycle and a system of slavery that is absolutely demonic. And it keeps us in Babylon's ways and under Babylon's oppression. And so that's a whole nother teaching. We'll touch on it today, but we won't have time to talk about just, just how oppressive spiritually um, it is to be enslaved um, financially. Um, and then the third thing he said was to exit, um, exit Babylon's, let's see, what was it, TJ? It was exit debt, 
exit depravity, exit. Uh, I remember from just recalling yeah. dependence was the third. Dependence. Depravity, death, and dependence. Right. Dependence. I should know. It's, it was my word, but I don't have it in front of me. So let's just go. I'm go I'm doing it without notes. So, um, so exit dependence. And so um, the dependence word was specifically about, you know, who, who has what you need? Um, do you have any sense of reliance, you know, on self? And I don't mean self-reliance in like a bad way, but I mean self-reliance. We've just, our whole way of life has changed so dramatically since like the age of technology and kind of how we live today. We've become dependent, you know, very naturally on things like Google and on the grocery store and on, you know, all these things we expect to work exactly as, you know, a certain way and to provide for us in a certain way. But unfortunately, you know, many people around the world would never uh, live according to the same levels of comfort and the way that we are dependent on so many things. And I don't think we realize how dependent we are. And so I actually really didn't start thinking about it until God started asking me questions like, do you really know anything outside of what you keep in your phone? Do you know how to survive? And I mean, what a weird, I'm like, who cares if I know how to survive? I'll just like go buy whatever I need from Walmart. I'll go do it. And so, cause I'm also not the kind of person who's very like um, end timey in like the wrong way. Um, yes, I have an eschatology. I believe that Jesus is returning. Yes, I think there can be suffering on this earth. I think that there will be tribulation, right? I think all these, I'm, I'm in, I have like a theological uh, understanding of tribulation, of end times, eschatology. However, I'm also not like a hopeless person. I'm not the person who's like, you know, who has like a year worth of survival food. I do have some food now, actually, which is funny. Like even for like my husband was just like, why are you buying like emergency food? And I'm like, look, I don't know, because I just, I feel like we just need to make sure power, water, energy, food. So, so energy, water, food. Let's just like, what if something just really radical happened in the world and we just needed to like be fine for two weeks? You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not going crazy, but it's like, hey, I'm just going to do what I can to be obedient to what God is is telling us because I think it's important to not be so dependent because whatever we, our dependency is, is where we will be controlled, right? So it's, it, and this is a, this is an interesting word, right? Because I'm also not, I'm not into deep conspiracies. I'm not like thinking every. You know, but at the same time, there's a level of wisdom in understanding that the government is not God and the government is not our source for what we need. Um, the government is not our source of control. I could, I could go off on that, but I won't go too deep into that. But um, we want to position ourselves in a place where we would never be in an emergency having to submit ourselves right outside of our submission to Jesus. So. Anyway, that's not deep. Yeah, no, I, and by the way, for those of you guys listening, you've never heard Rayma share, teach, speak, like she is like, we're not even like a quarter of an inch into like what, what could be shared right now in terms of different things that she's given. So if, I think if there's more to dive into, which there is, she's given a couple of reference points, whether it's biblically looking at Ephesians 4 as you're trying to think about, okay, the different governing roles of the church, or even just the idea of exiting Babylon and what does that mean and all of that, you know, so to some people, you know, like uh, Clarianne, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense to me. And to other people, it might be like, I'm trying to track in my spirit, it makes sense, but I still need to dive a little bit deeper. That's okay. The point is that Rayma really is just sharing, I think, that starting point for people, and I, and and more importantly, um, trying to give you guys, and what I want to do is give you guys a bridge to connect with it personally. So it's not just this idea of, um, okay, Rayma gets this word about exiting Babylon, the systems of the world and the, that are in opposition to God, and then she gets this, this gets these three Ds, exit depravity, debt, and dependence, and so now um, that's cool. I, I want you guys to ask the question, like, how does this apply to me personally? Like, in what areas of my life am I, do I have depravity? In what areas of my life do I have debt? Now, that's financial. That seems obvious, but sometimes it's not as obvious. Like, we have debt in other ways. Um, dependency. You know, in what areas of my life am I truly dependent on, I don't know, just a simple example, Google Maps. Like, do I know how right. to go somewhere 
Uh, and for me personally, these are things that the Lord's been walking me through for probably the last, more significantly, three years. Uh, but I'd say probably the last five years. And the idea of depravity, um, and, and Rama, I think you probably resonate with this. But the idea of depravity for me in a lot of ways was like actually needed to go through a lot of healing. Like I needed to go through the healing journey because I was so deprived spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and my body was suffering physically. Like I didn't have capacity to do much. And I think a lot of people recognize their depravity during uh, the last couple of years. They go, oh my gosh, the world's always been uncertain, but now it's like evident to me. And I have to confront my victim mentality. I have to confront my trauma. I have to confront my whatever. And not everybody either A, had the awareness or B, chose to do that. So I think this is that invitation to do that. Um, as it relates to your own journey, just maybe on the depravity side, like, is there anything that was highlighted to you? And I know you said this is a call to holiness. Holy means separate. So a call to like living separate, apart. And what does that mean for you personally? Or how have you been navigating that in your life? Yeah, you know, I think that I've always been um, a person who would see black and white. I feel like ever since I really gave my life to Jesus, um, things became clear to me, like right and wrong, you know, but I think there was a lot of things that I couldn't control, right? Like, which I think a lot of people experience. It's like, you have a conviction of the spirit, like, that's not the way I want to be or live, you know, which the the work of the spirit in us is to make us like Jesus, right? It's to conform us into his image, right? That we would be resurrected as Jesus was resurrected, right? New life. And that is a process and a journey. Um, I would say that, you know, for me, holiness has always mattered. Um, but I think that um, there's always a fine line between religiosity and holiness sometimes, you know, where people are like, no, don't do that. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. And for me, holiness, the journey of holiness has not been grounded on like, this is right. This is wrong. This is black. This is white. But the journey to holiness has truly been just submitting to the work of the spirit in my own life and saying yes, when God asks me to take a step in this direction, um, to be obedient when God says, hey, that's not my way. Um, to submit my own understanding when I don't think something's as big of a deal as the spirit, like, you know, convicts me that it is. And so it's been more of that kind of journey because the, the heart of someone connected to God is to be like him, right? So it's not about I'm trying to be holy because God wants me to be holy and God is holy. But it's about God is holy and he's given me his spirit to make me holy and to perfect me into the image of Christ until he returns, right? Which is a, a process that will happen probably for my whole life. And so will, will we be perfectly perfect? Well, no, but the spirit is constantly available and is constantly working in our hearts the hum of the humble, at least. He's working in the hearts of the humble to transform us into over time the image of christ and so the work that this you know the, the work of the spirit um it's active and it's purposeful right so i think that sometimes we think well i'm just gonna you know go to church i'm gonna read my bible and I'll listen to a podcast once in a while and like that's it no like the work of wholeness is actually very intentional and needs to be done on purpose um, because the work of the spirit you know it's available to us and the holy spirit is like wanting you know, to transform us. And so will we lean into that process and will we say yes to that sanctification? Will we say yes to the forming of the spirit in our life? Because it's really easy to ignore. It's really easy to get sidetracked. But I think that, um, you know, it's been a passion personally, um, you know, to become whole and to lean into wholeness, not perfect, but I don't think I've got like big rocks left, if you know what I mean, like where, where there's like major issues, blind spots, addictions, things that you're just like, whoa, that's like serious. And, you know, now it's more like, you know, like, okay, wow. I don't know if I've really looked at that or why did that make me angry? Like Holy Spirit, help me understand why was my response like to be so quick to anger in that situation or 
why did that make me feel like this, that, or this? And like analyzing those things with the Holy Spirit and asking questions. And I think the process of learning how to do that in mature ways comes through um, community, at least like the right kind of community. Um, and it comes through uh, like learning simple tools from the spirit. And so um, that's another thing that I'm really passionate about. I have a, um, on my website, if someone wants to go to my website, um, which is just my name.com, you can throw it up there. Um, I, I actually wrote a course for this very topic um, that goes over 10 weeks because the need for people to be whole, it's like, we all like want to be better. We want to be like Jesus, but it's hard. And so we need somebody to help us and to lead us through those tools. Um, and in the early church, this happened automatically. In our culture today, it just doesn't happen. You can go to church for years and years and years and never be discipled, never have the experience of spiritual formation that was present, you know, many years ago. So that's, that's, that's again, a whole nother podcast about spiritual formation. But formation, it matters. It matters big time. And we can't ever be like Jesus. We can't you know, we can't get those things out of our life. We can't change ourselves. The Holy Spirit has to change us. So we got to lean into the process of that. And you're talking, you know, the spirit man, spirit woman inside of us and this, and this like real from being, people talk about being led by the spirit. If we have a spirit, soul, and body, you know, a lot of times we're getting infiltrated by stuff from the world, systems of the world, and it goes into our body, through our soul, and then our spirit, like if we're joining Holy Spirit, it's like, whoa, hold on a second, this isn't, something's off here, and if we're not kind of taking care of our soul, our mind, will, emotions, if we're not, if we're not getting that right, if it's not coming from Holy Spirit, leading us out through our soul into our body, being changed from the inside out, then we're really just kind of like life hacking uh changing habits but not really getting to the root the root of things so in that course that what Rama shared um we have the link in the comments for those of you guys who want to check that out but this idea of getting whole that Rama's talking about my personal journey of going through that and we talk about this extensively um you know, whether it's on the podcast on youtube that personal journey of becoming whole really does it's it's such a deep inner work that has to happen. And one of the things, just a real practical that I heard you mention earlier, I just want to bring it up for people as a practical example. You said it, and to you, it was like kind of a blip on the life of your, you know, a blip on the timeline of your life, but it's like significant. You left the context of what you'd known in the church setting, just as an example, you could change church for career for somebody else who's listening, right? You left that, what you'd known, and then you got launched into this thing there was a different expression of that that you didn't know. And what you said was between A and B, there was this process of like healing and this process of getting right inside, resolving, processing whatever pain there might have been, whatever. And by the way, pain can just happen from change. You know, it's not even that somebody said something to you. It's like actually it just is a trigger. The change is a trigger for other stuff that maybe you never dealt with or other stuff that, you know, was beneath the surface. And so just as a practical example, one of the ways that I've actually witnessed you guys do that is, you know, you said, hey, if we're going into this new thing, one, we're not going to wait until we're perfect to do it. But two, if we're going to do it and be leading just as a practical, the house church, we got to like be right in ourselves, like with God leading us, like, Lord, you got to show me how do I exit the depravities in my life, because I may still have some of those lingering as I start this new thing. And I need help. I need help navigating that. And so I think this is a practical, you know, the link that we shared in the comments would be a great way for people who are navigating that, whether there is a big transition or not. If you just sense there's a transition inside, I think that's a good starting point is recognizing that. Um, so Rama, to me, that's a, that's a great, way of describing in a practical sense of what you've been walking through. But as it relates to maybe just, um, let's talk, I think you mentioned dependence and just the idea of the transition. You're like, I'm not this big end times person outside of understanding that I have. I'm not this person who's looking for it like all the time. Here's the corner, here it comes. It's like, okay, Lord, I trust you. And you know, I'll do the things I need to do. And maybe that looks like me having uh, a different method of preparation than I would normally. 
Um, but as it relates to even just the financial aspect, so we talked, you know, you said depravity, debt, and dependence. We kind of covered depravity and dependence, but just as it relates to debt, this is a really big topic, right? And it's one of the ones that in America, especially, right? And I was just talking with um, quick anecdote relevant. I was just talking with my personal trainer. He is from Germany. He's been in the States for call it four or five years. We were talking about credit cards and I asked him, I said, Hey, I, I don't know why I decided to ask him, but it's relevant to this conversation. I said, Hey, are credit cards big in Germany? And he like stopped and kind of like scratched his head for a second. He was like, no, he was like, not like they are here. And he said, if anything is a cash card and you got to pay it down like right away. And if you don't, they cut you off immediately. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hmm, Germany, by the way, one of the most fiscally responsible countries in the EU. So it's like, Hmm, that's interesting to think about. That's how they do it with their citizens. This is not a judgment of good, bad, right, wrong, you know, all of that. It's more of an observation right now. It's like, that's interesting to me. No, no taken. So what, what has the Lord been showing you about that specifically? Yeah, you know, what's interesting, um, this was probably the greatest area of, which it, even in my course, I talk about demonic cycles. So this it's a much deeper topic than I'll go into right now. But the essence of a cycle is that the devil uses multiple layers of bondage to keep you enslaved in a cycle that you both can't recognize and can't understand the how it's initiated and triggered. And so you stay stuck in it forever. And so from unless, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit brings light, you are learn you learn to identify it and then you disassociate yourself from your from your role in that cycle. Right. So I teach about this like toward the end of like the 10 week um, course. But for me, since I was very young, debt was a tool. I saw it as a tool as opposed to an enslavement. And I think that was my first mistake. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit told me, which when I was 18, I can't say I was really following Jesus. I can say that I was at Bible college. I can say that I'd grown up in church, but I can't say that Jesus was the Lord of my life by any means because I wasn't obedient. Lordship has to do with obedience. So that's a thought for someone. Um, and so at 18 years old, I had, I had gotten all these credit cards because, you know, I could. Why not? <laughs> I'm 18. I'm free. I can uh, make all these bad choices and they'll never come back to get me, um, says all the foolishness uh, coming out of me at 18. Um, and so uh, I had gotten all these credit cards. And I remember the Holy Spirit told me so clearly one day, cut every card. And I remember I said, no. I, I distinct, it's like this memory that's like etched in my, my heart. I remember I, I was so afraid that there would be no provision in my life. Cause this goes again into deeper healing. It goes again into the father. It goes to the nature of God. It goes to my, my itself, my independence, my need to make a way for myself, pride needing to make an, it's like so many things that were rooted in my inability to obey God in that. And that started a really long line and a really long track of bad financial decisions. And so I say that because the Holy Spirit, it's never, my kids are loud, sorry. It's never his desire for us to land ourselves in these places of pain and these places of destruction. And so I believe that there are warnings, you know, hey, change. But even here's the, the amazing thing, even if we're like, no, <laughs> and we go down that track for like a decade, he still will come back in when we're ready to be like, actually, you know what? I was wrong. I really should have listened to you like 10 years ago when you told me to cut all that junk up. I should have really listened, but here I am now. And, um, you know, so he starts with where we're at, but it doesn't mean we don't have consequences to clean up and things that we have to pay attention to at that point. So I think that some of the things that God's been teaching us, you know, I, I've been on this track for a long time now, probably 15 years of responding to the Holy Spirit in regards to like changing my understanding of financial stewardship. But I think that it's become even more front and center in the last like year or two. And I think that parts of the things that God's been showing me that I think could be really, or a few things God's been showing me that could be really helpful for others 
is that, um, you know, he's been highlighting, like, what is your attachment to this world? Are you always focused on more and better? This is an interesting question to ask ourselves. Because, you know, I feel like I could honestly answer like, no, I don't always want more and I don't always need better. But I think that these are two things that sometimes we think, oh, well, I just like nice things or whatever, because I like nice things. We have a really nice house, but I'm actually not, um, I'm not attached to it. I'll do whatever God says to do with it. So it's not like you can't have a nice thing, but does the thing have you? And are you always focused on what you don't have and on what else you need and on, on proving what, and like improving what you do have. Can you find contentment? Because if contentment is not like your, like your zero state, like where you're living at, you know, and then it's like, oh, wow, well, I can afford this. And so that makes sense. And that's something I feel like is a wise decision. It's a good use of money, whatever. Or I just really want it. And I'm feeling permission. This is cool with God. But if our emphasis is always more and better, it's, it's problematic. And I think for me, it's been more about in these days, what do I not need? Not like what else do I need, but what can, what can I actually live without? What have I convinced myself is important that's actually not important? You know, it's about retracting. It's about coming back to a place of like, do I need, to, like for, here's like a really kind of funny example, but like, do I need to take my eight, nine-year-old kids to a $50 haircut or could we just cut their hair at home? And I'm like, for some people that might be like, well, why would you do that? Because it's like, I mean, I have four kids. Why, why do it? Why should I spend money like that? And I think, you know, it's almost been like weird to think this way. And this has been super unnatural for us to start thinking like this. Um, you know, so that's been one thing. And I think we, we really need to be free from entitlement. Even if we have money, I think there's a really big difference between what I can afford and what I should afford. And so I think that we can convince ourselves if I can't afford it, I should. And I, that's a really wrong way to think. Should we afford it is more of a question of does this glorify Jesus? Does it matter? Is it something I actually need? Is it, you know what I mean? It's like a different set of questions. And I think that freedom from entitlement is so important. You know, that we really are focused on contentment and not on what I think I deserve or what I think, you know, what I think I should have. Because then no matter how much money we have, whether it's a little or a lot, we can find peace in our circumstances. It's so, so important that we can find peace in whatever space we're in, because then if we have a lot or a little, it's not causing us to go into anxiety and fear. Because we will have anxiety and fear with little and we'll have anxiety and fear with much if our contentment lies in that financial security. Our contentment is supposed to lie in Jesus. And I think that an even deeper root that many people don't realize is the root of lust. We associate lust so often to sexuality. And there is, you know, there's a spirit of perversion that comes from lust that is a sexual nature. But there's a whole lot of other manifestations of lust that we don't actually, we haven't learned to recognize, like materialism. Right, when we go to the core root of lust, like when you go to Genesis 3 and you look at Jesus and his encounter, sorry, um, Adam and Eve and their encounter. Um, one second. Mommy, I need you to go out. I'm spell on cut it to my blank off. Spell okay. cut it to my blank off. I'm going to talk to you about that later. Bye. I'll handle that with you in a minute. I need you to leave right now. Thank you. Okay. The most important um, part of this is, I is like, your role. Let me father. tell you about this really important. She's like, my sister cut part of my blanket. I'm like, <laughs> cool. Maybe I'll that. Um, and I'm good Amazing. on time um, as well, um, TJ. So, yeah, I right. think um, the lust piece is really important to pay attention to because it can easily be overlooked if we're not, if we're thinking about it from the sexual place, right? Because it's one manifestation, but it's the only one we focus on. If you go back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve have their encounter in the garden with the serpent, um, this encounter that they have, three things are highlighted, which I won't do a teaching about it. I have teaching about it um, if somebody's interested. But um, three things happen in that encounter, or three things are, are birthed, which I believe are the root of all sin, right? So three different roots, pride, lust, and independence, now, lust is the desire 
to, or the willingness to take what I want without regard for how it affects God or others. And so oftentimes this root of lust actually is manifested as materialism in our life. And so we think we need that. Our eyes say, hey, that's great. I need that. And I think that this is also one of the driving forces behind debt. Because we tell ourselves, well, entitlement says you deserve it, right? Which I think part of the, like these, these demonic spirits are actually very involved in people's perpetual debt. And obviously there's wisdom that is involved in stewardship also, and I'm not even going there right now, but specifically lust and entitlement really work together to keep people in debt. And so does the spirit of poverty. So I would say those are probably the three predominant driving things, keeping people in a place of debt. I, 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 you know, I feel bad for myself because I haven't had what I'm supposed to have. Right. Which is also a victim in there too. Um, there's <laughs> entitlement, you know, I deserve blankety blank blank. Um, you know, and then there's, there's materialism, you know, that's really nice and I want it and I don't care how it affects my family, myself, this world, my relationship with God, any of it, connection. So anyway, without doing a whole teaching on it, I think, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I'll just speak to it personally. I mean, like I've literally experienced all of those things myself. Like I can tell you right now, I've struggled with from the standpoint, and by the way, I can share this because this is something I've processed, gone through that healing in, right? Yeah. Um, but as it relates to just lust in general, like I've struggled with that in my past. Thank you, Jesus, I'm free. And there's still elements in my life where I saw that same lust in a different way, but mm -hmm. was not aware of it until right. Holy Spirit showed me and said, and this is actually how it happened. I think it's easy to say, Holy Spirit showed me how that happened. I was sitting reading my Bible in a corner and just like hoping I would hear a loud thundering voice. No. Actually, what happened was I was having a very natural conversation with my wife. And here's what ended up coming out of that conversation. I realized in that moment through her wisdom, which is what you were saying, hey, that's a whole nother topic. She goes, she asked a simple question. She says, hey, this is the dynamic of our relationship. I can make money. I like making money. She is great at saving money and not spending it. That's a good combination. But if you don't have this person who can make money, likes making money, has gifting and even commercial commercial gifting, like, oh, how do I make money doing that? That's a gifting. If you don't have that person in tandem with this idea of all the things you're saying, that person just ends up making and spending, making and spending, making and spending right. and not being wise. And so we were having this conversation because I noticed the pattern. She noticed the pattern and I go, wait, what is going on here? And she asked a simple question. In her wisdom, she says, okay, simple. I know we could afford ABC. Do we need? Do we need? And I was like, wait a second. Why do I even have this desire? Wait a second. Where, where did I ever think I needed that? And then my father-in-law actually started to show me, and this is maybe an added layer in a totally different teaching itself, but my father-in-law showed me, hey, you live in Southern California. What is it that people are really interested? Oh, there's an image and a spirit of vanity around that location. And like, hmm, I wonder how that spirit of promoting self-image, health, wellness, all these other things, and even materialism influences the way you see your own life and your decisions. And I was like thinking, God, this is totally a me thing. This is something I did wrong. This is something. And I was like, it could be. And I was thinking, wow, I was totally discounting where I lived. And that simple question with wisdom is how Holy Spirit showed me exactly what you're talking about. And I started going, wow, I might've had lust for things that are not sexually related. And it might be influenced by my environment. It might be things that I've struggled with personally and got free from in other yep. areas, but there's still stuff to process in there and get rid of. And that has been a wild revelation for me. Yeah. Um, and I just want to encourage somebody if like you think, hey, 
you know, I got the lust thing. I got, I got it taken care of. It's like, actually the thing Rayma talked about earlier around how the enemy wants to keep you from knowing if you struggle in another area of your life, look at one of the patterns that you've already overcome and then try and see Holy spirit. Is there any connection? Is there any relation? I broke that pattern. Thank you, Lord. I changed my way of thinking and speaking and behaving. Thank you, Lord. And is there any connection to this other thing that I continue to run into roadblocks, walls, obstacles? Is there anything that I should be considering that I wasn't considering because I thought I overcame it already? That was an entirely like mind blowing uh, way of changing my thinking around this topic, specifically with money. Um, so right. what, what Graham is talking about, guys, these are deep things. Deep. And, and I'll, I'll kind of like summarize some of what she said with this. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, my friend Milo on, and, and Raymond Milo works on Wall Street. He's a trader. He loves the Lord. And God convicted him of greed. Woke him up in the middle of the night, convicted him of greed. So this man's had this insane journey of like, that conviction and then obviously it being a process and changing how he's thinking about not just working, but living. Mm -hmm. And what he said is as he woke up and he was convicted, he started, he was like searching frantically online. He was like, I got to Lord, what do you say about this? He was searching for any kind of scripture, anything. Um, came across basically one teaching and he said it just has stuck home with him. He put it in his phone. He, he has it by him all the time. This is over a couple of years later now. Uh, and he said, it's, in essence, it's this simplification instead of accumulation. Like what he took home from that was like, Lord, I need to be simplifying rather than accumulating. And it's not the idea that you can't accumulate through simplification. Right. That's, I think that you said earlier, like I was afraid the Lord wouldn't provide. It's like, I think people, we, we are susceptible to thinking in the ways of the world. If I simplify, then I'll have nothing. But I don't think that that's actually the case. And, and he literally in his own life has seen that, has seen how that's not the case. But for people who are listening, it's like, gosh, guys, what could happen if we just took this simple shift and, and instead of, you know, pursuing all of the things that we just done automatically, just stopped and ask the question, like, do I need, even with the haircut example, like, do I need, and these are things that I'm working through myself with my wife, because she's very easy to think about these questions. And for me, I'm like, this is not normal. This is not a normal way of thinking for me. So it is a process. Um, but I hope that that's encouraging for somebody in, in terms of just thinking about how to like apply this in your life. It's like, okay. Yeah. So Raymond, I, I have, you know, exiting Babylon, just as a quick recap for people, exiting Babylon, the idea of it that God had been speaking to you for a while, and then you were asking personally, Lord, is this something personal for me or something I need to share? And it was a mix of both. And, you know, you walked away saying, okay, we need to, this depravity mentality, and we need to have this call to live holy or submit for the sanctification process, healing, wholeness. Number two, the idea of debt and being in bondage in the connection to even just spiritually lost entitlement, poverty, all these things when we're in debt financially and just even changing the way we think. And then number three is this idea of dependence and starting to think about, you know, how somebody can be at least asking the question in what ways am I dependent currently? You know, yeah. example, if I didn't have my phone, what would I be able to do? Right. What would I know? And, and I think that question is very telling. Um, is there anything else that, you know, just, just comes to mind as we're thinking about not closing out today and just giving people something to take away? Sure. I think that, um, you know, living in truth is very uncomfortable when you've never known it to be true for you. You know, when it's never been, your reality, right? We get very familiar and we're routine people, you know, society, you know? And so when, when the Holy spirit brings new truth in our life and kind of directs us in a new way, um, we may not feel like it. You know, I think a lot of people go like, Oh, I don't feel led. I don't feel, feel, feel. And I think we have to be careful because, um, 
truth and wisdom can feel very unusual when it's never been our norm. And, you know, so this is when we really go to biblical wisdom um, and the wisdom of others, you know, and we look at people's lives who really are living in um, a really amazing, uh, you know, they have a testimony in this area, like where there's strength, you know, where you can look and you can glean, you can learn how to live in truth, how to live in wisdom, and you can do things. I mean, I do things now regularly and look at things in a certain way, ask myself questions because my natural inclination in some ways is not to do the wise thing. So I need to pause and I can't just live on auto. I have to pause and say, wait a minute, is that wisdom or is that just normal? And so normalcy, this concept of normalcy, this concept of what is fine for me, that has to shift to be, is it fine for God? Is, is this how God's calling me to live? So that's been um, a journey, you know, I can't say I've like perfected it yet. Um, but I can say that, you know, in every way that I can respond to the spirit, I'm doing my best to do so. Right. And so um, I could pray that that would be the same for everyone um, because just because it's uncomfortable, just because the season you're in is uncomfortable or God's calling us to just higher levels in all things, you know, and I think he, he's, he's wanting to, to bring us into a place where we can truly be free to be his people. Right. Cause I think like the last thought that I would leave it on, you know, in Babylon, um, the Israelites could still for the most part be Israelites in that new setting. Right. And that's kind of the picture we see of ourselves in society um, you know, where we seek the welfare of the city and we live and exist in a Babylonian system with kingdom values. You know, so you can basically be kingdom in Babylon, but you can't fully live in the peace, the present, like all the things that made Israel, like there was a very big connection without going into like another teaching, right? To being technically in the presence of God in Jerusalem, in the, in the actual physical place where the presence of God dwelled. And obviously we're not all going to Jerusalem, but the point of that is more, there's a time when God calls us to actually reposition ourselves in very practical ways so that we can more fully live in the kingdom reality. You know, so this may not mean to move from the city you live in to another place. It may not mean, um, you know, that you need to grow all your food and you can't grocery shop. It may not mean certain things, but it may mean certain things. And so that's why you have to pray God, in what ways am I still in this Babylonian framework? And you're calling me out of that so I can more fully live in your kingdom ways, in your kingdom realities. And according to the calling, you know, that we have as Christians to be carriers of the kingdom of God and to bring that into society. So that's kind of the last thought, maybe to bring that concept home. So people don't think, well, that's kind of crazy. You can't possibly, you know, it's like, well, no, we, we, can, we definitely can become more Christ-like. We definitely can change things in our life. We definitely can respond to the Spirit. We can, you know, do things that make us, uh, that remove those systems from our life in ways that the Spirit leads us to do so. Yeah, that's so good, Rama. Just even, like, I'm, I'm receiving as you're sharing. I'm like, yes, all, yes, and amen to everything you're saying. I'm just, like, in my spirit, I'm receiving. Um before I kind of close out, I just want to let everybody know, Raymond did not ask me to do this. This is actually just something I thought was right to do. Uh, Raymond and Steve, I've watched them live their life in obedience is what she described. I've watched it. I've watched them navigate through a lot of transition, change, challenge, growth. Um, they are very strong leaders. They're leading um, people into a lot of freedom. And, um, and I think that uh, if anything that she shared today resonates with you and you want to sow into her life and her family's life, you ought to do that. If you'd like, it's a gift. It's not a tax-free donation. It's a true gift. Um, so I left that link in the chat and you guys have it here up on the screen. It's just a PayPal link. Um, but if you'd like to bless her, know that the gift is with the giver. So uh, Rayma, super grateful for having you. Um, just thank you for sharing all the insight and wisdom, revelation, and uh, 
Would you like to pray for people who are just trying to receive this, you know, on their own and, and maybe just kind of close and like, and in a prayer, would you like to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Father God, I just thank you for everyone listening. And I thank you that you're calling your people into a time of reform. You know, this, this is a, this is a point in history, you know, where your body is being uh, refined and we're being conformed even more to the, into the image of Christ, because you're doing a new thing in your church and you're wanting us truly to be separate from the world and not in a way that we shun the world, but in a way where we are these lights that display the glory of God, that it's your intention that we would display your glory. And so we ask you to help us to humble ourselves and to help us to submit the areas of our life and the things in our life that don't yet resemble your glory. Um, and I pray for every person to, to understand by the spirit how to interpret and, and kind of massage uh, those points into their own life. Um, you know, that you would, you lead us and you guide us by your truth. You guide us by your spirit. And so, you know, I just pray Lord for um, just a quickening in people's hearts that they would understand what they should do with it. Um, and that you would give them the grace to do it because you never, you never help, uh, you know, give us information or have a requirement of us without also giving us the grace to walk it out and to, to be obedient to your voice. So um, I just welcome your spirit to speak, um, your spirit to bring new direction and guidance into people's lives, to confirm things that people have already felt or things that they've already been drawn to. And I pray for those who feel like they don't even know where to start because I know what that feels like in different areas of my life at different points. And I pray for those who don't even know where to start, that you would give them a single next step, that you would give them hope. Um, for the future, that you would give them a vision of what it looks like on the other side of that challenge or on the other side of that journey that you're leading them into. Um, so Father, I just bless every person listening. I bless their journey toward wholeness, their journey um, of surrender to you and their journey of becoming like you in Jesus name. Amen. Grandma, thank you so much. And um, glad that we could have you and one of your children today. Yes. That's awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody would like to connect with Rama personally, can they just on Facebook, maybe just send you a message or even um, I could give them the link to revive the way. Yeah. Facebook or Instagram or yeah, for sure. Email. Right. Yeah. If you'd like to have Rama either come speak, if you'd like to just chat and have a question, I think those are great ways to connect with her. Um, and if you want to learn more about their ministry, revive the way. Uh, revive the way yep. dot com or org dot com. Dot com. Yeah. And we'll make sure. Yeah. We have there's that a lot. Room. There's a lot going on with revive the way. I didn't even really talk about it, but we have, we bought an airport here in Fayetteville, Georgia. We're starting a commerce hub there. We're starting businesses to fund kingdom stuff. We're, do, we're doing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, connect with us if you're more interested in learning about that. A lot of things happening is an understatement. <laughs> so. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, plenty of opportunity and, um, guys bless you. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. If this resonated with you, go ahead and share it. And, um, we will be here next week. Thanks very much. Thanks TJ.